0: Welcome to the Living Your Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hale, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Roswell, New Mexico. I'm your co-host Sean Lee. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to help you better connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. When Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, he mentioned that we were endowed by our Creator, with inalienable rights, which include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And boy, do we pursue happiness, or at least we spend a lot of time and money on it. But is that happiness? Is happiness located only in pleasant circumstances? The Bible never makes that equivocation. In fact, it's universally recognized that real happiness can never be found by pleasing ourselves. It's about relationships. Well, that's why rick is excited about this series this week rick and sean discussed the starting point accepting people for who they are you see the bible commands us to accept one another simple right well yes but easy no not always so make sure you catch rick's message by pointing your browser to rosalgrace.com and find out more about the happy series and other happy happenings here at grace all right let's get to the conversation well, Welcome back, everybody, to the Living Your Dash podcast. Rick, the reason that you wrote your book, Living Your Dash, was to help people run the 50-yard
1: dash faster. Isn't that right? Uh, Sean, actually, I've seen you run. That's impossible. Uh, obviously, not the purpose. Or, if you read my book, you need to read it again. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, of course, I'm joking.
1: Um, and, of course, the whole point
0: of this podcast is to complement all that we do here at Grace which is to help people find and fulfill their purpose. Um, would it be acceptable to say, based on your message this past Sunday, which if you haven't if you haven't watched it yet, you need to go to rosalgrace.com and uh, click on watch so that you can uh, go straight to it. But would it be acceptable to say that accepting one another
1: fits one of the purposes that we talk about here at Grace? It does, Sean. It's the purpose of fellowship. It, that's the biblical word, fellowship around here we like to use the word connect. Mm -hmm. And it is, when the command of accept one another, it it grows out of this whole idea of why do we need to have fellowship? Mm. Do we really need to connect with other people? Isn't it good enough that I have faith in Jesus and can't I just stay home and... And live this wonderful me and Jesus relationship, Mm. and exclude all those people who are going to mess my life up anyway. um, Very interesting in our you know we in this happy series we're reading Max Lucado's wonderful book How Happiness Happens. He he makes reference that there are actually fifty nine. Imagine that fifty nine one another commands, love one another, serve one another, encourage one another. Uh-huh. He has counted 59 uh-huh. one another commands. Think about it, Sean. You cannot obey any of those commands alone. Mm. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, encourage one another. You cannot obey that command unless there is a one another to encourage, You cannot get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and go look at the person in the mirror and say, I'm encouraging one another. Yeah. No, you're encouraging yourself. So these commands that we're looking at in, in this week and week one of happy, accept one another, there has to be a one another if I'm going to obey the command to show acceptance. Mm.
0: Well, that, that kind of begs the question that there is a... Um, there is something very good about the things that we're commanded to do, whether it is to accept or to encourage or to admonish or whatever, whatever those commands are. Um, and that we, it, it is not only a good thing to do for ourselves, but it is a good thing to do uh, in in general. Yeah,
1: it's essential. It's not optional. And mm-hmm. God God created us. He knows how we're wired. In fact, He was the one who wired us. So when you realize that God is the one who wired us and he says, okay, I wired you with a need for you know, food, water, air, and one of those is also fellowship. Yeah. We are created for fellowship. If you try to go against that, it's going to damage you as a human being. If there's one thing we've learned through COVID is how essential fellowship is, yeah. how essential it is to connect our kids haven't done well. Our teenagers haven't done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, being sheltered alone at home. Mm-hmm. It hasn't done well for adults. Uh, we're seeing more and more the, the not just the physical, physiological, but the psychological, emotional damage that is done when we try to live in isolation. Yeah. I find it interesting
0: that, that there are people that would say, because what, what you're talking about is suddenly I, I don't have this excuse anymore of saying, you know what, I, I can just, I can go to my deer stand or I can get in my fishing boat or I can go take a hike and be close
1: with God. You're saying you, you've you got problems here. Absolutely. Being alone, isolation feels really good for a while. Uh-huh. You know, that first week out of school, man, the kids were loving it. <laughs> they don't love it now. Yeah. Uh, the uh, a lot of people, you know, hey, I can stay home from work. I don't have to get dressed up. I can work all day in my pajamas. And yeah, that felt good for a little while. Now people are craving being back in, in connection yeah. with other people. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: so in your message, you, you told us that a God-directed and God-honoring fellowship really is critically important to God. Why is that? Why is accepting others such a big deal to God. And here's another question. Does does choosing love come first or and then acceptance
1: or acceptance and then loving somebody? Well first Sean, accepting is a big deal to God. A mm-hmm. very big deal to God. And the the main reason is God is our father. Mm-hmm. He relates to us as father to child. Hmm. Uh, when you look at the imagery of the church, uh, one of the strongest images is that we're a family. God is our father. Jesus is our elder brother. We are brothers and sisters to one another. Sean, one thing you and I share in common, we both have two children. Hmm. Now, I can tell you, and I know it's the same with you, when, uh, when our second born came into this world, we did not bring that little baby home and ask our firstborn permission. Uh, he he didn't get a vote. We didn't say, "Hey, would you like? Would it be okay with you if we accept this new child into our family?" No. We came home and said, "Hey, come here. Meet your sister. Yeah. Uh, you guys get along. Don't kill each other until you graduate." <laughs> but it's the same with God. When somebody comes into the family of God, God doesn't come and say, "Okay, you guys vote on whether you're going to accept." this new child into my family. No, God says, accept your new brother, accept your new sister. Mm. And it's easy for us to say, well, they're not perfect, or they got problems, or they have issues like we don't. (laughs) And so we we begin to judge people Mm. and we exclude people, reject people rather than obey the biblical command. And that is when a person puts their faith in Jesus, they are your brother or sister in Christ, whether you like it or not. Your job is to accept that person creating an atmosphere of acceptance and love and grace, which will provide in that atmosphere of acceptance, it will provide the motivation for that person to grow and change. Yeah. I think about
0: the brilliance of of what our Lord has done for us. I mean, really when I look at every other world religion, um, there's really not this sense of family, um, that is, that is a a keystone of, of, uh, of the Christian Bible, of the Christian faith. And, uh, it's very different than you're going to find in, uh, whether it's Islam or Buddhism or, uh, particularly some of those, those other early religions just terrible, really. And so in, (laughs) and I'm trying to think these first century Christians, uh, in the midst of really, what they saw as, as uh, um, the the, uh, the pantheon of the Roman or the Greek gods, yeah, of course they would want to rush to this uh, this beautiful this beautiful interjection of God saying, "No, I want a family where everyone's a brother. So it doesn't matter who you are, how how rich you are, how poor you are, or who you were born to. You are you are
1: all my kids." One of the great commands, and we'll look at it in the Happy Series, and it's from Romans 16, where Paul simply says, greet one another.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: a lot in that word, greet. Mm. Uh, it means you don't blow people off. Mm-hmm. You don't say you don't matter. You don't count. You're not good enough. To greet someone says, come on in. Yeah. You're welcome. Be a part of the family. Yeah. That's a wonderful. And greet and accept one another go well together. That's
0: beautiful. Okay, so you know one of the things that that I I found interesting is that when I came to New Mexico, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Very, very different context of uh, what I what we, what I see in the West here. And one of the things that I was um, captivated by was was especially in Roswell, is that we kind of it, it's an, a rural agrarian uh, rancher type of of, uh, uh, of community. Um, and really, when I think of the, that rugged individualism, I think about the Old West. Um, do you think it's more difficult? Because I think in general, as Americans, we we really are steeped in this rugged individualism. It's more pronounced here, I think. But but is it, is it harder to be more community or other-minded?
1: Yeah, go back to the very founding of America. Look at the founding fathers. Around 1776, you talk about rugged individualism. How was our nation founded. We were rebelling against (laughs) England, basically saying, will you just leave us alone? Mm -hmm. We want to be alone. Get out of our way. And so part of the foundation of our country is this individualistic mindset. And of course, it simply intensified in the West. As the West grew, you were on your own. Yeah. You know, every man for himself out there, every woman for herself out there. And tragically, the um, this rugged individualism has been magnified in many people's lives. So they look at the church as a uh, as something kind of optional. I really don't need to be a part of the church. It, me and Jesus, thats uh, that's good enough. Mm. This me and Jesus approach to Christianity. And once again... What begins to happen is, it sounds good at first, uh, may may feel good at first, but just like with COVID, after a while, we realize, hmm, I am not wired for this, and you can do great damage. I've seen it with people who do great damage, thinking they can make it without the church. They really don't need other Christians in their life, and. You can make it for a while, sure. I, I don't I won't argue with that, but I'm telling you long term, you will not grow. But for one reason you cannot obey the fifty nine one another commands. That's right. So you're immediately making a decision. I'm going to intentionally walk in disobedience to these commands of God. Wow. That's a bad road to go down. Ooh, boy, when you put it like that, boy, it really sounds like who would ever think that way? I know
0: better than God. I know better than anybody else, particularly God, about how to live my life. Um, You closed with a Max Lucado quote that, which, by the way, this is a great book, everybody. you got to get this book. By the way,
1: if they want to get this book, how do they get this book? All they have to do is come by the church during the week. Uh, Mm -hmm. Anytime 830 to 430, we have them uh, on sale right here. Come and get them. Come and get them. Anyway, you closed with a a Max Lucado quote (laughs) that, that I
0: believe in. But honestly, it, it kind of, um, it, it, it goes against my grain a little You're bit. You're balking, Sean. I'm balking. Thank you. Um, he said this, happiness happens not by fixing people, but by accepting people. And so here, here's why I balk at it. Um, as pastors, we're commanded in 2 Timothy 4.1, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great <clears throat> patience and careful instructions. To to declare authoritatively uh, or to preach, like you just did, um, to correct, rebuke, um, isn't that fixing people? I mean, as, as part of the flock, is it not assumed that I should cheerfully receive
1: correction, rebuking, encouragement in order to be fixed? There really is a big difference, Sean, hmm. and that is, just to illustrate, Sunday morning, I preach the word. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning, I, I give uh, the, what God says about correcting, rebuking, encouraging. But you know what? At the end of the hour, I don't get in your car and go home <laughs> and make sure that you're enforcing it. I don't, <laughs> don't follow you around all week long to make sure you're obeying what I told you to do on Sunday. Yeah. And that's the difference. Our job is we provide the resources. What people do with those resources has to do with their free will. God created every human being with free will. Mm -hmm. And all you have to have is a teenager to understand this. Mm. And you can tell your teenager all day long, don't do this and do this. This will destroy your life. This will bless your life. At the end of the day, that teenager is going to make their own decision. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, Sean, our job as pastors we put the word out, we give them the resources, we, uh, we serve it up. Now what they do with it, that's between them and God. And our job, and, and, and this is really my heart at Grace, I wanna create that, that atmosphere of acceptance. Mm-hmm. I love that imagery of, of an atmosphere of acceptance Where genuine transformation can happen, but Sean, it happens in a very natural way, not a forced way. Mm. It's not a, I'm going to fix you. It's, I'm going to accept you. And in this atmosphere of acceptance, uh, that you will be motivated from the inside out, not the outside in. You will be motivated to to be a different person, to Mm. change and to grow.
0: You know, when, I, when, you, when you say that, I, I, I think about a brilliant quote by, of course, I don't actually have the quote with me, but, but I read this book by uh, Charles Coulson, and uh, he said that liberty is not the ability to do whatever you want as if you were unaccountable to somebody, but it is the ability to do that which you should do, that, that which is right, the freedom, instead of having somebody with a gun at your head or to, um, to endanger you, or to um, um, tell you that you're going to be put in jail if, if, uh, unless you do it their way.
1: Freedom to choose. Yeah. There's the freedom. It's not freedom to do it my way because I have a gun to your head. Is Here's the resources. Here's the information. Um, in our context, here's what the Bible says. Here's God's word that's designed to bless and guide your life. But you have to decide whether you will choose it or reject it. Yeah, yeah. So a follow-up question is this. How do we reconcile
0: the acceptance of others whose philosophy, ideology, practices are so opposite of what the Bible says is the truth? So, for instance, a few weeks ago, you read Paul's own list of of the acts of the sinful nature, how uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is a great word: uh, idolatry, uh, witchcraft, hatred, discord, um, jealousy, fits of rage, and selfish ambition, and, and 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 about six or seven others. Paul gave this stern warning that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, I mean, who's right? I mean, are the Amish right that we should just get out of the world and or uh, and and. Just pretend that that we can somehow be insulated from all that. Or, you know, there are progressive churches that that, uh, where it almost seems like being nice is the most important thing, or at least to appear nice, that we need to embrace open sexual license, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, or open gender definitions.
1: Who's right? Yeah, a couple thoughts here. You know, Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, said an amazing thing uh, that, that perhaps creates a balance here. He said to his apostles to be in the world, but not of the world, and yet into the world. Mm. Very interesting. It's not just be in the world, but not of the world. But he also adds that be into, the idea of penetrating. We're to penetrate, not to be influenced by the world. We are to penetrate the world to be influencers Mm. in the world. So that's part of it. The other part here is accepting doesn't mean approving. And that's Mm -hmm. important. I can accept a person as a person created in the image of God, a person for whom Christ died. Last time I checked the Bible, he died for all people, not Mm -hmm. just the good people, Mm -hmm. not the ones just to agree with me. So I can accept a person without agreeing with them on everything, without approving of maybe their lifestyle, but I can still accept them as a human being of great worth and great value. And then a a third insight would be the importance of context. Romans 15, seven, accept one another Mm -hmm. just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. There's the command, accept one another. Romans 15, seven is in the context of Romans 14 through 15 and it's addressed to Christians Mm. and the way Christians treat, other christians with whom they disagree on matters of opinion it's very important the section begins in romans 14 verse 1 where it says accept one another and not for disputes over opinions Mm. what was going on in the roman church is you had jewish christians gentile christians and because of their culture, diverse, cultural diversity and differences, they were having trouble getting along. Mm-hmm. And Paul is simply saying, listen, you're not going to agree with that other person on everything, on their opinions, on their lifestyle, totally. But you, as Christians, you can still accept one another because you agree on the big things, on the essential things. I think that's important to remember as well in this context. Oh,
0: well, that's fantastic. Boy, you know, sometimes I think about... We we we, we we think about some of the the political opinions that may rest in our church, and they do exist, oh, absolutely. Um, but they're nothing compared to trying to combine this Gentile church in, in a Hellenistic culture with the Jew, with the Jewish believers. How do you
1: how do you put those things together? Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about this coming Sunday. Ah. Is we're going to look at the example of that very thing of the Jew Gentile conflict and how, how difficult it was. It almost looked at times insurmountable to bring these two cultures together uh, and to become one church.
0: Yeah. You know, Rick, you, you've said that the church is the hope of the world. I know you were quoting somebody else, but, but you said that the church is the hope of the world. And, I, and more and more, the longer I live, the more I see the only answer to the world's problems uh, and I boast in the Lord because it's, not, it's certainly not my idea, nor anybody else's idea. This is God's idea that the, the church is the only hope of the world to yeah. to the answer to the problems that we have. Yeah.
1: And it's not perfect, you know. It's it's a group of people made up of sinners saved by grace. Yeah. None of us have arrived. We're all on the road. We're all in process. We all have uh, good qualities and bad qualities, and we're trying to work on the bad. And you know, somebody years ago said that compared the church to Noah's Ark. Remember this one? Hmm. said so the church is like Noah's Ark. Uh, if it weren't for the raging waters on the outside, who could stand the smell on the inside? <laughs> so I, I say to people, yeah, the church isn't perfect. And there, there's at times it smells a little bit, Yeah, but it sure beats what the world has to offer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: if you don't know what that means, then try treading water in, in the raging North Atlantic. Okay, <laughs> yeah. One last thing. Um, the writer Ira Baik noted that the late anthropologist uh, Margaret Mead was asked, uh, what was the first sign of human civilization? And so the inquiry that he, he wrote about came from someone who expected her to identify some artifact crafted by a primitive human being. Her reply was really interesting. He, he's, she, she said, a healed human femur. And she went on to explain that it was the protection, the feeding and care by another individual that was unquestionably required to allow such a person, person to survive to the point of healing of such a fracture that signified that civilization
1: could proceed. What do you think about that? Sean, that's the church. Mm. That is the church, a healed human femur. Mm. That is the beginning of human, human civilization. What did Jesus say? I have not come to save the righteous, but the sick. Yeah, I haven't come to 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 heal heal people. I've come to heal sick people. Yeah, Jesus always saw himself as the great physician. Sean, think about it with a hospital. What's the first step in the healing process? You have to accept the patient. That's mm-hmm. why I love this command: accept one another. You can get in a in a car, and you can go to the front door of the emergency room, but there will be no healing take place until they accept the patient. Yeah, Sean, in the church, we have to accept. We have to accept the patient. We don't, it does no good to get people to the front door of the church and for us to say, sorry, you're not good enough. Sorry, you're not far enough down the road. <laughs> no. No. Our, our answer is we open the doors and we say welcome and we greet one another and we accept one another, creating an atmosphere for that person to grow. Boy, you know, so I've,
0: I've been to the ER a couple times now, and <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, as if we're all part of God's healthcare team in that sense, um, the one thing that I know that, that we can always do better at is the intake. The, the intake process. that it's, Wouldn't it be nice if someone came into Grace's ER and instead of them having to just simply walk to an impersonal person behind a glass um, a, gr- a glass wall and just take your name, address, and phone number, wouldn't it be nice if someone else were to come along and ask you some questions about who are you, why are you here, tell me about what happened about your injury.
1: Yeah. The Bible doesn't say greet your friends, greet your favorite people. It says greet one another. Mm. One another means everybody. Yeah, yeah. You're right on, Sean. Oh, fantastic. Well, Rick, what else is going on here at Grace? I'm excited. This Sunday is week two of our happy series. We're going to look at the second great one another command. It's called Bear with One Another. The idea of forbearance. Mm. How do you bear up with people? who are just radically different, maybe annoying, Mm. the people who get on your nerves. (laughs) Um, We're going to go back into the book of Acts. We're going to look at a moment in the history of the first century church where, Sean, literally, the church could have easily split into two groups. It was Mm. that close. I mean, it was right at the moment where it was ready to split. And because one man stood up and, and really challenge people to bear with one another, it, that was the glue that held the church together in the first century. Wow. It's so a fascinating story. So I'm really looking forward to week two of Bear With One Another. Okay, so you're not talking about the Chicago Bears. No, 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 no. This is the forbearing. Oh, oh okay.
0: Wrong forbearing
1: guy. I get with it. one another. <laughs> hey, also, Sunday, we're excited, Sean, that we uh, teach class 101, Discovering yes. Membership. This Sunday evening, <clears throat> 5 to 8, child care, food is provided. We would love to have anyone come yes. who wants to know more about our vision, our values, and what makes grace tick. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at Grace, we may not, we may not
0: get this uh, right 100% of the time, but we'll tell you exactly the ideal that we're shooting for, and we think it's pretty good, so uh, not to brag, so we boast in the Lord. Anyway, Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks again for being with us today. We hope that you have been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments at info at rosalgrace.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And do us a favor by sharing this podcast on your favorite social media platform. For more information about Grace Community Church, visit us online at rosalgrace.com. Until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you.